Hello, I'm Leanna Bella. And I'm Joe Skeppis. And I'm Amanda Bella. You've got all three of us today <laughs> from Pearson's. So you're very privileged. So welcome to Pearson's Family Law Podcast. Today's topic is... Uh, what happens if my partner is thinking of taking the children overseas without my consent? And we're also going to be talking about how can I stop my partner from taking the children overseas if I don't I don't want them to go overseas. And especially now during COVID times, um, it's even more important because once someone leaves the country, it's almost sometimes impossible for the children to come back to Australia. That's right, that's right. I think we should also cover what if I do want to take the children overseas. So what if I've got family overseas or, um, you know, I'm from another country, etc. What about taking the children overseas? So what about if we start with that one? Mm -hmm. So how do I get to take my children overseas? So the first thing we do is we write to the other parent and notify them and say, this is what my proposals are, this is where I'm going, this is how long I'm going for, uh, and this is what I propose as far as things like make-up time might be concerned. Um, Just raise, make sure that the other parent is fully aware of where you're going and what you're intending to do. Like, you know, an itinerary, right? Yeah, an itinerary. Contact number... Yeah, before um, you make the plans, because if yeah. there's difficulties, it might be that you spent your money and it might be a waste of money. So before you go spending the money, when you've got the idea formed in your mind that you want to go on a holiday, let the other parent know what you're doing so that they can have some involvement. They are, after all, the other parent, they've got some say. I think one of the major issues that I come across, and, and let me know if you come across this as well, is the issue of passports. So before anyone ever even goes overseas, is does the, do the children have... Uh, valid passports um, and often that's a, a reason why people are stopped from going overseas because they don't have a valid passport and you you need the consent of both parties to sign the passport application. That's right. So, I mean, if you need the passport and the other person's being difficult, um, you can get a court order for a passport to be signed. Yeah. The court will do that, but you've got to have good reason to travel overseas, of course. And what some clients may not understand is that a valid passport, you need to have at least six months of... Uh, uh, time on the passport right. before it That's expires right. if you're travelling into uh, overseas. They so forget that, don't they? They do forget that. Mm. Or, they, or they book the return ticket, they've paid the travel agent and they realise they don't have a passport and they want you to kind of walk on water to get them to be able to travel overseas. We can get an abridgement of time to enable an urgent hearing, but um, it's always good to be well prepared, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And let's say we, we have uh, emailed the other side and said, this is the itinerary, this is my proposal, um, and um, for whatever reason they're saying no you can't go overseas clients then say what is the likely and we and then we issue the application into court a good question to ask yourself is what is the likelihood of the judge saying yes the children can go overseas and in my experience uh, i find that um, the courts will always start off by saying that international travel is good for the children and will grant it unless there is a reason why the children may not come back. That's the risk factor. Mm. So, you know, often it's the kids are going on a soccer camp overseas or they're going with their school on language or an art or a culture experience with their school. Well, of course, the court is going to promote that and want that. And in those instances, often the parents aren't even going. So the court's not going to deny Mm. a child that experience. The way the court starts is by saying the child should have the same experience they would have if they were in an intact family. So if the child will be going if the parents were together, well, then there's no reason why the child or the children shouldn't be going just because the parents have separated. So that's how the court starts off with the the inquiry. 
Um, obviously, it's a, a complicated matter if the parent is proposed to take the children to what we call a non-Hague Convention country. That presents a whole host of other issues and problems and concerns, uh, which the court has to then delve into and explore. Um, and in those cases, the court may want the parent who's travelling to put up a bond or some sort of uh, funding, some guarantee that in the event that the parent who is travelling doesn't come back, the other parent can access those funds to try and get the children back. One of the most um, uh, popular countries that uh, is not on the Hague, I find, is Bali. Absolutely. Um, so that's really important. And, and to find a list of I guess we should explain what the Hague Convention yes, is. Yeah. I mean, Hague Convention countries, the country Australia has a legal agreement and relationship with insofar as the Commonwealth of Australia will notify that Hague Convention country and they will honour any orders or or directive of Australia to get those children back. So it's a political um, it's a political, political process, process where it's yeah, a treaty. treaty. It's an understanding between two countries where if a child is removed from Australia to a Hague Convention country through the authorities called the central authorities, they will arrange for the children to come back to their natural country, which would be Australia in that case. So it really is, um, do you think the most common that you've dealt with are Lebanon and Bali, like yep. uh, Indonesia? Mm. Yeah. Yep. They're probably the two highest numbered mm. countries that we deal with often. Yeah. And so that's part of that risk assessment, isn't it? That the court's going to say, well, hang on, what is the risk of these children not being returned? And so what, what do you think? The court looks at real estate. Do you own real estate in Australia or is your real estate in Lebanon um, or in Indonesia? Employment? Do you have a good job here? Is it likely you're going to leave that job to be able to take the children over there? And what are your family connections in those other countries? If all of your family are in those other countries, if you have no job and if you have no property here, well you may be seen as a bit of a risk, particularly if there's no real reason to leave. Mm. Because what's going to keep you back here? That's the problem. It's really your connection to Australia. That's right. Mm. Look at how strong that connection is. And, and your connection yeah. to the overseas country. I mean, if you're not a resident yeah. in the overseas country, well, you're not going to be able to stay there. So you're going to have to leave at the end of the period. So but If you've got dual citizenship, if you've got dual Joe, citizenship then that's going to be risky. Yeah. But it's always worth having a go, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, yeah. Always yeah. ask the inquiry and just make sure that uh, it's explored fully. So the other question is, how can I stop? Mm. someone from travelling overseas with my children uh, if there's a risk that they won't return. Yeah, so the, the best way to, to stop is to issue um, straight away into the uh, family uh, court and at the same time you would also issue an airport watch, watch list with the Australian Federal Police. Um, so there is a form on, online that you've got to fill out um, that of course we can help you with and you've got to explain to the Australian Federal Police the risk and also provide them with a copy of your application to the family court. So what that does is um, once that application to the Federal Police has gone through, if your partner is trying to uh, leave the country with the children, then there'll be an alert coming up at customs that will stop them from leaving. And that happens quite often, doesn't it? In, in some cases, the, uh, the courts have made orders and aeroplanes have been turned around mid-flight. Uh, to return children to Australia. So, or what about you get a call from a client there at the airport yeah. and they didn't even realise the watch list was on for whatever reason and they can't get out of the country. So it's, um, yeah, it's a pretty common order, isn't it, actually? Yeah, definitely. And it is an application that you can make either through your lawyers or you can actually do that application yourself directly to the court. Yes. You can avoid a lot of trouble, a lot of grief, a lot of uncertainty and a lot of expense by having pre-planned these sort of holidays, exp explore them fully, um, be transparent about it, 
and have it all pre-planned so there's no surprise at the end of the day. If the other party has agreed to your traveling or you've agreed to them traveling and everyone knows what's happening, then there won't be any problems. It's only where people start to make plans without notifying the other parent. That's where things come unstuck. But if you want some more information on overseas travel and how to restrain someone from going overseas with the children, go to our webpage, Pearson's Family Law, and you'll see an article specifically on this topic of travelling overseas, and that will assist you in being able to know what your next step is. So, and also feel free to make an initial appointment with us at Pearson's by calling 1300 699 688 for that free appointment with any one of our many solicitors who work at our firm. So for now, thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.